48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve at Dunthorne. The headlines. Leisure sector chiefs say officials need to rethink their pandemic strategy for the sake of the economy. A lawmaker calls for cash handouts for anyone who gets a coronavirus jab. And a Pakistani asylum seeker goes to court to fight for his release from detention. The chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group, Alan Zeman, says the government's suppress and lift measures are killing the economy. He told RGHK that bars had been closed for around 145 days this year because of the pandemic, and he agreed with the restaurant trade that at least $30 billion was needed to survive. The government yesterday said it hoped to submit a funding request to LegCo before Christmas for new relief for businesses affected by the latest round of closures. Mr Zeman said targeted closures would be better for the economy. The government's idea of suppress and lift, to me, just doesn't work. You know, I know they listen to the health experts, which I agree we have to, but there has to be economic experts as well. There needs to be a balance between both if you want to keep the economy alive, because we'll have the healthiest people, but nobody's going to have a job. So there needs to be something that our suggestion is that you let it businesses open, and then if there's a cluster in a restaurant or bar or a club or whatever, close it down for a week, sanitize it, and then put people back to work again. And that way the economy can continue. A lawmaker has called on the government to offer people a $5,000 handout if they take a coronavirus vaccine. The DAB's Leng Chicheng told a meeting of LegCo's health services panel that voluntary vaccination would not work well. Chan Kinpoor, who represents the insurance sector, said people could be rewarded with money, vouchers or exemption from social distancing rules. He suggested adding school pupils and teachers to the priority list for the jabs. A government advisor on the pandemic says members of the public have no reason to be concerned about the safety and effectiveness of the three vaccines the SAR has acquired. Professor David Hoy of the Chinese University says all three vaccines will have completed phase three trials before distribution. He expects final data on the mainland Sinovac jab, which had shown 90% effectiveness in early trials next week. He said there was no way the administration could have given people a choice of the three vaccines it procured. Because of the limited supply for each brand of the vaccine, uh, I think the government has decided that the recipients should have no choice. Otherwise, we may run out of stock for a certain type of vaccine and we have the uh, surplus of others. The three brands of vaccines, if they are to be started in Hong Kong, they would have undergone phase three study with good safety data and good efficacy data. So I don't think we need to worry. An infectious disease expert has criticised the government for not regulating boarding houses for foreign domestic helpers since the coronavirus outbreak occurred in the summer at a dormitory. Timmy Sung reports. Dr. Lan Chi-Chiu told RTHK that boarding houses were still crowded and conditions had not improved since August, when more than a dozen mates in dormitories became infected. He said the dormitories should ban visitors for now and authorities should test helpers who have stayed there. Mandatory tests have been ordered for anyone who went to a dormitory in Taipo, where eight maids have contracted the virus, as well as a family of four whom an infected helper works for. Meanwhile, Hong Kong Employment Agencies Association Chairman Chen Kitman estimates there are around 300 unlicensed dormitories, and with no official records, it will be difficult for authorities to find out who stayed there. He said he believed hundreds of maids stayed in such premises. 
a vice president of Beijing's top think tank on Hong Kong, says he believes mainland officials are concerned about the coronavirus situation here because if it's not handled well, people's grievances will increase, which could delay the SAR's integration into the mainland. Lao Shukai also dismissed speculation that the chief executive Carrie Lam's duty visit to the capital was pushed back because Beijing wasn't happy with the way she'd handled the pandemic. An asylum seeker who was challenging his detention has told the High Court that he's been abused by Immigration Department staff. Candice Wong reports. Ahmed Sani Selman has filed a writ of habeas corpus, effectively challenging the fundamental legal basis of his detention, which has gone on for more than eight months. He accused officers at the Castle Peak Bay Immigration Centre of mistreating him by keeping him away from the medicine he wanted and needed for months. The Pakistani national was sent to the facility to await deportation after authorities rejected his non-reformment claims. He has been on hunger the strike since July. Mr. Salman, who represented himself, told the court, either deport me or release me. I can't be here any further. Government lawyers disagree, saying that Mr. Salman could abscond if he's released. They also pointed out that he had previously been jailed for drugs and traffic offences in the SAR. Judge Anderson Chow says he reserves judgment to a later date. An ethnic minority rights activist has been jailed for two years and eight months on child sex charges. Vicky Wong reports. District Court Judge Sham Seo Man accused James Long, who's 46, of having hidden intentions when providing help to the victims, two girls aged three and six. He said the excuse that a young victim could be his girlfriend when she grew up was unreasonable, and his acts of sexually abusing them showed he fought about sex, not love. James Long, chairman of the Southern Democratic Alliance, pleaded guilty to seven charges of indecent conduct towards a child under the age of 16, indecent assault and producing and possessing child pornography. He was jailed for 32 months for the offences, which included touching the private parts of a six-year-old and asking a three-year-old to masturbate him. Overseas, the US Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has for the first time acknowledged that Joe Biden won the presidential election six weeks after voting ended. The most powerful Republican after the president paid tribute to Mr Biden's political experience. So today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. The president-elect is no stranger to the Senate. He's devoted himself to public service for many years. I also want to congratulate the vice president-elect, our colleague from California, Senator Harris. Beyond our differences, all Americans can take pride that our nation has a female vice president-elect for the very first time. Mr McConnell also urged fellow Republican senators not to object when Congress meets to ratify the election result. He was speaking a day after the Electoral College officially confirmed that Joe Biden beat Donald Trump in November. Mr Biden said he told Senator McConnell that despite their differences, they could work together. US media say President-elect Biden will nominate his former rival, Pete Buttigieg, to be Transportation Secretary, which would make him the first openly gay member of an American cabinet. Here's the BBC's Warren Bull. Pete Buttigieg was a virtual political unknown when he campaigned for the Democratic Party's nomination to take on Donald Trump in November. The 38-year-old, who'd served as a U.S. Navy intelligence officer in Afghanistan, gained momentum with his charismatic performances in town hall debates. He appealed to liberal younger Americans with his support for issues such as abortion rights and investment in green transport. After dropping out of the presidential race, he quickly endorsed Joe Biden, 
who appears to have rewarded his support with the transport portfolio, underlining the president-elect's commitment to make his cabinet the most diverse in American history. The four top U.S. congressional leaders have met to try to break months of stalemate over a coronavirus relief package. The House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, invited the Senate leader, Mitch McConnell, and the minority leaders from each chamber to talks. The meeting is the most significant effort yet to reach a bipartisan agreement on a $1.4 trillion package, which comes as government funding is set to lapse on Friday. Speaking at a campaign event in Georgia, Joe Biden urged Congress to work to agree the package. People are struggling to pay their rent, worried that after Christmas they'll be thrown out before New Year's, concerned about paying their mortgage, over 10 million, putting food on the table has become a Herculean task for so many. And what's the United States Senate doing? Nothing. People need help, and they need it right now. A leading humanitarian agency, the International Rescue Committee, has called on global leaders to urgently address the major conflicts around the world. The group's president, David Miliband, said failing to act would risk giving up earlier progress on reducing poverty, hunger and disease. Here's the BBC's least set. The IRC's list of 20 humanitarian crises starts with long-running conflicts in Yemen, Afghanistan and Syria and includes countries across Africa, as well as Venezuela. David Miliband said 2020 would be remembered as one of the most turbulent years in history, but next year, he emphasized, would be known for how we either helped or turned away from those suffering the most. Mr Miliband also highlighted what he called the age of impunity, in which armed actors were ignoring the laws of war as the world looks away. A lost artefact from the Great Pyramid of Giza, dating back 5,000 years, has been found in a cigar tin at a Scottish university. It had been missing for more than a century. More details from the BBC's Alan Johnston. In 1872, a British engineer called Wayman Dixon explored the Great Pyramid. In the Queen's chamber, he found three items a grappling hook, a ball made of rock, and a piece of wood from a cedar tree. The hook and the ball were safe in the British Museum, but the wood was missing. Now it's been found in the Asian archive of Aberdeen University's museum, in a cigar tin marked with an Egyptian flag. It had been wrongly put in among Asian artefacts rather than Egyptian ones. Australia has announced it'll ask the World Trade Organization to investigate punitive Chinese tariffs on barley imports, a significant escalation in tensions between the two nations. The Trade Minister, Simon Birmingham, said Beijing's 80% surcharge on barley imports from Australia lacked a basis, adding that further action could be taken in other sectors. In other financial news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,440. That's 233 points up on the previous close. Currency is the US dollar trading at 103.53 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 21 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 42 cents. Sport now, here's Atom Chung. We start with football in the English Premier League, where Chelsea have thrown away a chance to go top of the table after losing an injury time to Wolves. Neto into the pit there, shoots and he scores the Chelsea will not be going to the top of the Premier League tonight. 
The match at Molyneux finished 2-1 for the hosts. Defeat for Chelsea left them fifth in the table. Their boss Frank Lampard was left to explain what went wrong. A couple of moments on the on the pitch where the players are switching off. That, that can't happen, you know. It's, you can get your message on the pitch and you can do your message before the game, letting them know that these are the one of the biggest counter-attacking teams in the Premier League and have pace and have a threat against you. And um, players have to deal with that. In the other Premier League game, Manchester City went top six but were held to a one-all draw at home by West Bromwich Albion, who are just a few points from safety. In Spain, Real Madrid have joined Atletico Madrid and Real Sociedad level on points at the top of La Liga. Real got past Athletic Bilbao 3-1, thanks to a pair of league goals from Karim Benzema. In Germany, Borussia Dortmund moved back into the top four, three points off the pace, with a 2-1 win at Werder Bremen. Captain Marco Reus made up for a missed penalty by scoring the game winner. In boxing, Tyson Fury's promoter Frank Warren says the only thing that can prevent an all-British heavyweight showdown with Anthony Joshua next year are egos. WBC champion Fury is the favorite to beat Joshua, who holds the IBF, WBA and WBO belts if they meet next. Warren believes the fight can be made. The only thing that may stop this fight from happening is egos and I think everybody concerned all the parties have to park their egos up and work collectively to deliver the fight that all sports fans want to see. Let's hope that's going to be the case. I'm quite sure it will because at the end of the day the fighters want the fight to happen and it's our job that's that being the promoters and managers and so forth to ensure that it does happen. The two-time NBA Most Valuable player Yanis Antetokounmpo has ended speculations by committing his long-term future to the Milwaukee Bucks. The 26-year-old agreed a maximum five-year contract extension worth $228 million U.S. million. Had he passed on the offer, he would have become an unrestricted free agent next summer. The Bucks have had the league's best regular season record in each of the past two years, but with limited playoff success. They lost to Miami in the second round last season and blew a 2-0 lead to Toronto in the 2019 Eastern Finals. The new NBA season starts next Tuesday. And as you look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. Leisure sector chiefs say officials need to rethink their pandemic strategy for the sake of the economy. A lawmaker calls for cash handouts for anyone who agrees to undergo a coronavirus vaccination. And a Pakistani asylum seeker goes to the High Court to fight for his release from detention. And that's the news from RTHK. Legislation on national security in Hong Kong is designed to safeguard national sovereignty, security and development interests. It will also ensure that Hong Kong becomes a safer, more stable city. The legislation is aimed at an extremely small minority of those whose behavior and activities pose threats to national security. It will not affect the legitimate rights and freedoms enjoyed and exercised by Hong Kong residents in accordance with the law. National security law preserves one country, two systems and restores stability. To fight the virus together, we must protect ourselves and others and reduce social contact. Stay at home as far as possible. Avoid social gatherings and don't go to crowded places. Work from home if feasible. Don't shake hands with others. We should also avoid meal gatherings. Let's adopt these measures to prevent the spread of novel coronavirus in the community. 
For more information on fighting the virus, visit chp.gov.hk. And I- 